Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Amen. Again, it's good to have everyone with us this morning. We look forward to the preaching of God's Word. I pray God has been glorified in our prayers and our praise with health, help and aid, of course, of the Holy Spirit. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred among the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel, Watch this, concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault, for so much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then these, then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king, and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. And the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, and the princes, and the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees there three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, like we've mentioned earlier, there's no amount of preparation or study that can replace the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I am unable of myself to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. My words alone shall fall and fail. Yet I pray that the Spirit of God would quicken thy word into our hearts. Lord, I pray that we'd receive it and graft it that, Lord, it might encourage and excite our hearts more for Christ. Lord, I pray that though this story of which we read happened thousands of years ago, I pray that we could learn from what you did in and through Daniel, that we too in this day and age could be inspired, encouraged to fight the good fight of faith, to be devoted and faithful to our God in the midst of idolaters, and haters of God, and a world that lieth in wickedness. Lord, most of all, I pray that after this morning, our hearts would even be more drawn to heaven and the things of Christ. May you be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. Forgive me even now of my failures and my attempts to preach thy word. I pray that you'd be honored and glorified 
in all things. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. The event recorded in this sixth chapter of Daniel is without doubt one which many of us fondly remember from our childhoods. The story of Daniel in the lion's den filled our hearts and our minds with wonder and excitement as we heard of God's preserving Daniel from the hungry lions. Yet for many of us, as we grew older, this same event remains simply that, a childhood story. And now Christians, in our eagerness and hunger to learn the deeper things of God, we find ourselves merely skimming through this book of Daniel and others like it in search of a deeper, greater knowledge of the mysteries of God, yet rarely stopping to seriously and humbly ponder and meditate upon the great truths found in this book and many like it. Because I believe with all my heart that the book of Daniel stands out amongst many books in Scripture regarding the unchanging faithfulness and mercy of our God towards His people, especially in times of great affliction and trial. For in times of prosperity, it's easy to boast and praise God for His unchanging faithfulness and mercy. Yet it is in the furnace of affliction that only God's unchanging faithfulness can be more gloriously revealed to us and God himself more glorified. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. God saved us for his own glory. He didn't save us for ourselves. He saved us for His own glory. And at salvation, through the Spirit of God, He imparts in us a desire to glorify God. A desire not of our own making, not of our own choosing, but because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, He creates in us a heart, a mind, and a desire to glorify God. Like all the angels and cherubims around the throne of heaven burst out in praise of holy, holy, holy. When the Spirit of God dwells in our hearts, He gives us that desire and that longing and that yearning to glorify God in everything that we do. The three Hebrew children, though they faced a fiery furnace, we're content, we're content to submit to whatever God had suddenly ordained for them, deliverance or death. They said, God is able to deliver us, but if not. <laughs> Yet here's grace. They never considered that it would be in the fiery furnace that God would be more glorified than their deliverance or in their death. They never considered that. For there they found sweet fellowship with God. Sometimes it's not deliverance or death which is the answer. 
is glorifying God in the fires. The prophet Isaiah said, who had ever heard of such a thing? God delivering from a furnace. God so often overwhelms us with his great majesty and wonder and confounds our finite understanding with how he chooses to deliver us. And though God was glorified in delivering them in the fiery furnace and preserving Daniel in the lion's den, beloved, it was the evidence and manifestation of God's grace working mightily in his chosen, which wrought him the greatest glory. That brings God more greater glory than delivering from a fire or from a hungry, raving lion is the working of God's grace in the hearts of his elect. Do you know? Have you ever comprehended or attempted to at least comprehend the mighty working of God in his children? We have this treasure, Paul said, in earthen vessels that the power and the glory may be of God. As we see in the man called Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first. That the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. What a position for Daniel. People, Some people think that to live for God, you need to isolate yourself from the world, be separated completely. Here's Daniel in the palace, and God has put him in a high position for to use him for his own honor and glory. Do you realize that some 50 or 60 years has passed since Daniel was first carried captive to Babylon as a teenager? Five chapters, 50 or 60 years have gone by. Daniel, when he's thrown into the lion's den, is over 80 years old. He's not a youth. Yet even from the very first appearance of Daniel... It was clearly evident from Scripture that the grace of God worked in him mightily. For from that very beginning, chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says he would purpose in his heart not to defile himself. The Bible says he purposed in his heart, not so much in his mind. For out of the heart, Proverbs says, are the issues of life. Every motivation, everything that stirs us up to do something comes from the seat of our affections, the heart. That's why it says in Matthew, where your heart is, so will your treasure be. Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. The purpose of the mind will of itself fail. But in the heart... And the heart is the seat or issue of life. 
Again, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And if our treasure is Christ, our heart will be filled with following Him, devoting ourselves to Him, purposing things in life for His honor and glory. I'm ahead of myself at all. I pray that God's people today would be more like young young Daniel. We would purpose in our heart. We see such a lack of that purpose in many Christians today. If you don't set a purpose in your heart, why do you think God will bless the slothful and the lazy? Keep thy heart with all diligence. All diligence. Proud of it over the issues of life. Proverbs twenty three twenty six says, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. You notice what comes first. Give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Beloved, it is the heart that must guide our eyes in the ways of Christ. Again, the psalmist, 119, verse 32, one of my favorite verses. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou hast enlarged my heart. David knew, I have no energy. I cannot run anywhere in your commandments unless you enlarge my heart, excite it, encourage it, inspire it. And that's what the Holy Spirit of God does. And every true believer, oh, the mighty working of the grace of God, how it inspires us. And excites us to run the way of God's commandment. Not walk or crawl, but to run with vigor and haste and energy. The Song of Solomon, the bride, she cried, draw me, we will run after thee. Draw me, we will run after thee. Daniel purposed in his heart as a youth. In chapter 6, we still see that purpose of heart. He was resolved. That's what purpose means. He was resolved. He was determined in his heart not to defile himself. Beloved, such resolution, such purpose in heart is truly a work of God. Which in turn, and I want to emphasize this, it's a work of God. It was a work of God in Daniel. It's a work of God's grace, which in turn sets our hearts to work it out. Work out your own salvation, said Paul, with fear and trembling. Work something that's in you out. How are we proposed to do that? In our own strength? In our own power? No. Paul continues that in verse 13 of chapter 2 of Philippians. For it is God which worketh in you. You see, it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do. Both to will and to do what? For us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So it was a mighty work of grace that gave Daniel the desire to purpose in his heart, yet it did not leave Daniel as being slothful or lazy. 
excited him and inspired him. An old man of God said one time, referring to this divine harmony of which Paul speaks, working out your salvation for God worketh in you. He said, God implants an active principle. He implants an active principle and sustains the increase, the unceasing exercise. I love that quote. It takes time to think about it, but it's worth meditating on. God implants an active principle, grace, and sustains the unceasing exercise. He worketh in us both to will. We want to will to do to do God's will, and we do it because of that inward working of grace. Love the measure or resolution of our heart to faithfully follow Christ is not determined on what we do or any merit of our own, but where our heart lies. Let me say that again. The measure or resolution of our heart to faithfully follow Christ is not determined on what we do or any merit of our own, but where our heart lies. Bridges, a Puritan preacher, once said, if the heart be seized, the whole man, the affections, desires, motives, pursuits, all will be yielded up. End of quote. Now, true that is, if the heart be seized. People wonder why I like the King James in the Old English, because there's so much, the English is just so profound and amazing. Who speaks like that today? If the heart be seized. And that seized is the right word. By power, by might, overwhelming it. If the heart be seized by the power of God, the whole man, the affection, the desires, motives, pursuits, all will be yielded up, he said. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not be defiled. Beloved, if Christ has truly seized our hearts, our eyes will be in his ways. Yet where Christ's ways are not observed, then surely our hearts are not given to him. <laughs> Daniel purposed in his heart. When chapter 6 opens, Daniel is over 80 years old, and yet his purposing in his heart not to defile himself is still evident and even more determined and resolute than ever. Why? Just look at a small portion of verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel didn't do this to spite the king or the princess. He didn't do it to enrage them. It was something that Daniel perpetually did. Habitually did. The purpose of heart was even more evident and more powerful than ever. 
it was once said, and I pray that we comprehend this, it's not those great feats of faith which testify of the believer's devotion and faithfulness to God. It's not the great feats of faith which testify of the believer's devotion and faithfulness to God, but the persevering in the routine and habitual duties which testify of our faithfulness and devotion to God. And I thought, how that so echoes Scripture. We glory in doing great feats of faith. But if we're ever to be like Daniel, after 50, 60 years, still having purpose of heart, it's not in the great feats of faith that we exercise. It's in those habitual, those routine spiritual duties. Oh, if Christians today could fathom that. It doesn't mean that much if I skip or miss reading Scripture or praying to God today. I'll go to church next Sunday when I feel a little better. I'm not saying if you're sick, come. I'm just simply saying those people that excuse that. I I can go to church another time. I can do something. It's those habitual and routine spiritual duties that strengthen us for the great feats of faith. And Christians could understand that. They think it's no harm if I neglect prayer today or if I not read the Bible today or if I not go to church this Sunday. It's no harm. And you know the phrase, God knows. Gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Believe me. I and some men this morning amongst us can testify to the fact after 20, 30, 40 years of living the Christian life, it's all of grace, surely. It's God's grace. Yet we can testify to the fact that faithfully following the Lord habitually, even though oftentimes we've failed, God gives us grace to stand up and continue is what strengthens us for the greater feats of faith. Christians aren't prepared for the greater feats of faith because they're not routinely, habitually living the Christian life. So when trials come, they grow weak. Well, God is faithful. Yes. The good and faithful servant in Matthew chapter 25, the good and faithful servant is one who is faithful over a few things. A few things. Who then, Christ said, is made ruler over many things. Sounds like Daniel, huh? Daniel starts with meat. Just simple meat. Right? I'm not going to take the king's portion because it'll defile me. I'm not going to eat it. I'll eat porridge or mince or whatever it was, but I won't eat that. Just simple meat. And it was basically for himself and the others. It's basically Daniel. It's But in Daniel chapter 6, it's over many things. Here's Daniel a prince. King over princes. He's ruler over many things. You see that? You see the progress of that? Just like Matthew. It started out with, would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. That's the few things. 
This Daniel was referred about the presidents and princes, ruler over many things. It's amazing how Scripture interprets Scripture. How God gives us illustrations and examples of His divine truths that we might better comprehend and understand those things. Many years had passed in the first five chapters of Daniel where only few records of Daniel's faith and devotion to God were written. It amazed me this last week, contemplating that, but five chapters, 60 years about had passed. In five chapters, only the highlights of Daniel's life has been recorded. Many things that Daniel did and the way he lived is not recorded. It's almost like it's in silence. You don't know nothing about Daniel. But we can tell by chapter 6 that Daniel, as he did aforetime, was constantly persevering. was his persevering in the routine and habitual duties during these silent years which prepared him for those monumental events in his life. You know it's going to prepare us for the great feats of faith. It's going to be those silent, quiet times alone and still with God in our closets. Those moments that people don't see. Those times when God is working in us and it's not evident to others. A time of private Bible reading and scripture reading. David could not face Goliath without first facing the bear and the lion. So you see, it's your, it's our quiet time with God. It's our secret prayers and devotions with God. It's a reading of scripture in those quiet, silent hours when no one sees us. And doing that habitually. Routinely, which enables us to take down our Goliaths. From the day young Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself to the very moment he was cast into the lion's den, the grace of God was working mightily in his heart, preparing Daniel for this moment. It wasn't the young Daniel that was thrown to the lions. It was the age, now age Daniel. It was thrown to the lions. Beloved, let us take example from God working in the lives of Daniel. All our trials and afflictions are not only governed and appointed by God, but also in accordance, according to Scripture, to the measure of faith God has given and worked in us over many trials and afflictions. Daniel's purposing in his heart was a mighty work of God's grace. The purposing was the evidence and manifestation of such grace. I will not this morning, and I considered it and pondered it long before God, and I believe the Lord led me to this conclusion, but I will not this morning try to defend Daniel's purposing in his heart with those who believe that Daniel's trying to merit something for himself. I'm not going to defend those who believe that the grace of God lies dormant and slumbering in the heart of the believers and because I believe that to be unscriptural. The grace of God does not lay dormant 
and slumbering in the heart of the believer. But the grace of God, like I said earlier, inspires the believer. It enables the believer to walk worthy of his vocation. The evidence of grace is not that I can speak about it and talk about it being sovereign and God does all things. That's easy. The evidence of God's mighty grace working in my heart will be seeing my walking worthy of the vocation wherewith I've been called. And yet many would look at these words of Daniel and try to excuse it. Try to find some way to rationalize it for fears that Daniel is meriting something on his own. Daniel's doing something on his own. It's almost as though they think they need to defend God's sovereignty because God's not sovereign enough to do it himself. And so they've got to step in and defend his sovereignty. And yet they do that with anger and malice and bitterness. Again, I'll not follow that rabbit trail. Because I'm with Martin Luther. Let the word of God stand. Leave it alone. Lass das Wort Gottes stehen. Love it in German. Daniel purposed in his heart. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, we are his workmanship. What an amazing word. That's worth meditation right there. We are his workmanship. You ever considered yourself God's workmanship? Created. In Christ Jesus. Unto. Small word, but very important. We're His workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus. Unto. The divine evidence of His workmanship. The fruit of being created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works. You see what the effects of it are? The workmanship being created. It's unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in. I'm not ashamed to read, pronounce God's word as it is. Daniel purposed in his heart. No comment needed. We need more Christians today. To purpose in their heart, not to defile themselves, but faithfully and devotedly to follow Christ. If the three Hebrew children did not purpose in their hearts, they had never had the courage to stand up to the king's credence or edit. And same with Daniel. I won't get in there because I want to get in that next week. Daniel's character. Oh, man. You know, there's no character like Daniel in the entire Bible. Do you know that? Oh, he had flaws like we all do. He's human. Right? Noah got drunk. Moses hit the rock. David committed adultery and murder. The list goes on, but you find nothing, nothing in the book of Daniel. You know, the only one that condemns Daniel, and I'm looking so forward to looking at that next week, the only one that condemns Daniel is Daniel himself. That's true Christianity. But there's nothing in the book of Daniel that shows any flaw in Daniel. Yet we know they were there. He's human-like. He was human-like. We are. Daniel's like no other in the book of Scripture. No other. Let me show you something. 
in the light of what I just said. Verse 10 at the last, it says, and, give, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Now jump over to verse 16. When the king has to unfortunately throw him in the lion, then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest, what? Continually. The king knew Daniel was so habitually devoted to Christ. Even this heathen king knew and was impressed by Daniel's devotion and continuing serving his God. It's an amazing statement from a heathen king, don't you think? The three Hebrew children, when they face the furnace, and I'll wind this down for today because I want to get into Daniel more in detail next week. Just wanted to lay the foundation of the character of Daniel here. But the three Hebrew children were persecuted for their worshiping of God. Listen to me. They said, if you'll fall down and worship, no, we're not going to worship your God. We're not going to do that. It ain't going to happen. Daniel persecuted for his devotion to God. Beloved, it is our worshiping and devotion to God that will always be hated and despised of the world. Did you notice this this last year? Closed down the churches. You know what they're doing in Canada now? They're trying to pass a law that if you preach against homosexuality, it's a federal offense. You can go to jail. They want to make that a law. It's our worship and devotion to God which the world despises and hates more than anything. And therein will lie our greatest persecution. They're going to seek to deny us to worship God, and they're going to seek to deny us our devotion to God, to ridicule it, to persecute it. Verse 4, it's amazing. The presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. In other words, the way he carried himself in life. I'm just bridging it, putting a bridge here for next week. But they could not find an occasion nor fault for much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error of fault found in him. Verse 3 said he had an excellent spirit. That's not mean an excellent spirit like, oh, he's just joyful and happy. No, both these verses refer to the way he carried himself in life. He was a faithful worker. He did his job. The king, which is heathen, couldn't know that Daniel had a excellent spirit when we're referring to a good spirit about him. He's talking about Daniel was diligent in his job. He was faithful in it. He did no wrong. He did no deceit. They looked at that and said, this guy does a good job. What does that tell me? I should be doing a good job where I work. They should look at me and say, there's no deceit or fraud in this individual. He's honest, upright. He's full of integrity, full of morals. He's ethical. That's what they should look at. The king said, we can't find nothing. about. There's no fault with David or Daniel. So let's try to find it against his God. Sound familiar? <laughs> There's a verse in Job I want to close with this morning. Though thy beginning was small, a portion of meat, that was all. Though thy beginning was small, 
yet thy latter end should greatly increase. Daniel being thrown in the lion's den. Beloved, I look forward to looking more in-depthly at the character of Daniel to see how the mighty work of grace of God worked in Daniel's hearts and lives, and it should encourage us. But we, like Daniel, before I could even get on chapter 6, we, like Daniel, must be able to purpose in our hearts. Fifty years, sixty years had passed from chapter 1 to chapter 6, and that purpose never changed. May God give us grace to daily, habitually live the Christian life. Realizing that it's those moments, those times of devotion, consistency, consistency, which strengthens us for the great feats of faith. May God give us grace and may we enjoy those hours alone with Christ in meditation upon him and his glory. And may we, as we seek God for our needs in this present world and guidance in this temporal place, may we always, always, always end with reminding ourselves this world is not my home. And my greatest desire is to seek Christ because none of us know when Christ will call us home. Or in what fashion he will. Will he break this vessel of clay before he calls us home? Or will he sweep us into glory in a heartbeat? Either way, let us always be rejoicing in the fact that we shall see Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. God, I feel so unworthy to stand here and preach your word. Father, I pray that our meditations and our time of devotion and silent prayer and reading with you would be more than just pleasant. But Lord, it'd be rapturing to our souls and our hearts and our affections and our desires that Lord we'd live each day as though it were the last we'd always ponder that regardless of where we are and what age we might be we're simply one heartbeat away from eternity one heartbeat away from meeting Christ Lord I pray for that dear brother I spoke to this last week I I so am eager to get back to him and to encourage him by thy word to look unto Christ. Lord, that he might yearn and long to see thy face and enter into thy presence. Oh, Lord God, I pray that this would ever be in our hearts and our minds. For, Lord, if our hearts are with thee, everything else will be yielded up. God, be with us, we pray. Guide and direct as only you can. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.